Canucks Central Monday. It's Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah here in the Mobile Kintech Studio at Rogers Arena getting set for the Canucks and the Chicago Blackhawks. Canucks coming off yet another victory as they beat the Maple Leafs on Saturday. Six to four. It was a roller coaster of an affair and a pretty emotional affair here at Rogers Arena as well. It's always one of those when the Leafs are in town. Canuck Central is for Enzyme Pacific Vancouver's premier Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, and Jeep Superstore on 2nd Avenue between Canby and Main or at EnzymePacificChrysler.ca. Uh, it was uh, quite the game. Canucks aren't really getting pushed around anymore, are they, Sat? Uh, they're not. They don't look like a meek little hockey team anymore, <laughs> right? I mean, and people people wondered how tough can this team... And, and that, that's not to say that they're, you know, uh, a, the reiteration of the Broad Street bullies or anything like that, but they more than hold their own nowadays, don't they? Well, when you've got Nikita Zadorov like ragdolling guys and Tyler Myers headlocking one and Ooh. punching another, if he connected on that punch to John Tavares, I mean, we might have started the show a lot differently. Yeah, today. <laughs> that was uh, that one was real close to being a knockout punch on John Tavares. But yes, Tyler Myers showed some of his physicality. Nikita Zadorov yeah. continues to win over the Rogers Arena crowd, and uh, the Canucks got yet another win. It's, uh, I mean, it's it's a full transformation for this team, as we've seen. And uh, now the one-year anniversary, happy birthday to uh, Rick Tockett as Canucks head coach. He was hired on this day a year ago. His 82-game sample size, 51, 23, and 8 it's 110 points. There are only four teams that have a better point percentage in that time. Boston, Vegas, Colorado, and Edmonton. I think that's pretty good. <laughs> you know, and I mean, it just shows you like the, the type of buy-in he has. But I mean, he knows what he's talking about. He has a good staff, yeah. obviously, too. And that's played a big part into, you know, the, the team really buying in. And you know, we, we look at the NFL, for instance, some of the best teams have really good teachers, like the coaches, right? And I think they always talk about teaching, learning, doing something new every day in terms of stuff that you learn and how you how to improve your game. And having player coaches that were former players, and not just regular players, you're talking about guys that, you know, Hall of Fame caliber players, you know, yep. Gonchar, Foot, Talkett himself, you know, and when you have those types of guys, and you have the Sedins as well that have played a part into it, you know, they, they've, they've really done everything humanly possible to give these guys the best chance they can to be successful. And to the players' credit, they've taken all that and applied it. You know, one of the things that's uh, interesting about uh, uh, Tockett, this is his third head coaching gig. Uh, Things went fairly well in in Arizona, and now uh, here in Vancouver, it's really taken to new heights. But, you know, I just like the way that he is uh, straight, right? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Even the way he was talking to the media today, you ask him any question, um, you know, he was asked, is this a trap game tonight? And he's like, no. No. Yeah. I, you know, I think because of the way we played uh, Saturday in the second period, I think I think these guys will be ready to go because yeah. uh, they, they don't want to repeat that that sort of performance. And you know, it's just a different way. You know, sometimes I think coaches get uh, into their own heads about the way they have to be with the media and not as real as they uh, are mm-hmm. when they're away from the cameras, away from the media. And talk, it just seems to be the same guy no matter where he is and who he's talking to. Oh, very comfortable in his own skin. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's obviously something that has come with time. But, you know, somebody who's been around, right, and the type of personality he is. And we always joke about how he's friends with everybody in the game. And they all say the same things about him, right? Yep. I mean, he's just like 
a really good dude, they say, and and obviously somebody who was a stand-up player as well. And you know the the discussion we have with Ken Danica, who fought him a handful of times. I mean, he couldn't say enough good things yes. about a guy he fought a handful of times on the ice, right? So so I think that is genuine from a, from a personality standpoint, and I think it's connected really well with the players. Uh, so as uh, we say in in the homeland. Uh, which I wouldn't know because I wasn't born in Italy. <laughs> Centanni, uh, which means a hundred more years. Yes, for yes. for Rick Tockett. Uh, so congratulations to him on his one year anniversary. But um, it's been a really good year for the Vancouver Canucks, mm-hmm. and it's been a really good sample size of Carson Soucy. It's just that every time the sample size starts to get larger, he ends up back on the shelf with an injury. This is now going to be the third different time. This season, at the start of the year, he missed the first couple of games with an injury. Then he went out after the Montreal game, after blocking a shot. And now, after blocking a shot Saturday against the Maple Leafs, he is going to be out of the lineup for five to six weeks, according to the head coach. And, I mean, I can't say enough about what Carson Soucy has brought to this Mm -hmm. team. I also don't think it's a coincidence that the best stretches this team has had is when they've had their full complement of defensemen available to them. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, to your point about how good he's been, he's he's been tremendous, you know, and he's so smart defensively. He uses his length and his range really well. He skates well for a guy his size. He's very calm under pressure. He makes plays. Nothing crazy, but then even offensively, like he knows how to get rid of a puck, how to shoot a puck, he knows how to attack open space. And he knows how to space himself from players. I mean, just just a guy who just knows what he's doing on the yeah. ice and, and just so steady with how he plays, yet so understated. And I, I just can't say enough good things. When I watch Carson Soucy, I'm just so blown away. And I, and I wasn't sure exactly before he came to the organization of what he truly was. I'm like, hey, he can be a fine third-pair guy, but can you... Can you truly be a top four yeah. player? Like, can it he handle like some more stress? It feel like a little bit of an expensive contract, given his his track record. It was a bet. Yeah, you know, it was a bet, and it was expensive if he w- was nothing more than a third pair defenseman. Yeah, but if they made a bet on a guy that they thought can be more and should be more, then all of a sudden it's a bit of a bargain, and it's funny how quickly that changes. Now you look at the contract, you're like, man, three point two five. That's yeah, that's not bad for a player who's 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 legitimately looking like a top four caliber player. And the way they kind of built out this defense is, okay, we got the two guys at the top, and how can we build it out so that the rest can be greater than the sum of its parts almost? Mm-hmm. And it's it's really worked in that way. Yeah. Um, they haven't had to, maybe, you know, Ian Cole has played a little bit more than you would have liked him to at times, but for the most part, they've been able to space out the minutes beyond Hughes and Heronic, and I think that's been really valuable for what we've seen coming out of Ian Cole, out of Tyler Myers, arguably having his best year as a Canuck this year. Nikita Zadorov took him a little bit to get going. Now we're really seeing him get comfortable in the system. And, of course, Carson Soucy was having a ton of success. And even Noah Juleson, who's going to now come back into the lineup, has been having success this year, his best stretch as an NHL defenseman. And he's going to slot right back in with Carson Soucy coming out. I did get a lot of questions, though, Sad. Mm. On Twitter, when I first mentioned the Carson Soucy injury, just about, well, now they've got to go out and acquire a defenseman ahead of the deadline. Go add some depth on the D. Use the LTIR space to go and get something at the deadline. Immediately, people think like, oh, you can just go be Vegas and and use that and pretend Carson Soucy has an injury until the end of the season and and use that cap space to your advantage. Well, I mean... 
it, in theory, academically, it makes sense. Yeah. Y- you know, why not? Hey, they're saying six weeks. There's, what, three months left in the season? A little bit less? Yeah. So that's a month and a half. Can you stretch that out to two months, two and a half months? And who, are, who knows? Like by the time Was he, he on the Ryan Reeves plan? Uh, who knows? Maybe he is. <laughs> maybe, maybe you talk him into it. And, I mean, academically, you can look at it. It's okay. You can do that. And the other part of it is eventually somebody's going to get hurt. Yeah. And could somebody be hurt enough where they can miss, They have to miss 10 days, 10 games, so you can open up LTIR space, and then by the you can piece it together to the end of the season, essentially, and take advantage of it. I think you could do that, but... I'm not sure that's something that the team is going to do because what you're doing is you're really leaving a lot open to chance. What you're doing is saying is that you're saying is like you hope the injuries line up in a way that you can activate everybody and get, get them all in together at the same time. I don't think that's something they want to juggle unless they would have to. And I think with how they've seen Noah Juleson, I don't know if they're going to be in a rush to make an addition on the blue line. But if they can add a depth defenseman, a guy who's going to be making a million bucks or less? Or can they somehow clear some space eventually? Can I think Tanev is always somebody to keep an eye on if you're yeah. the Canucks, right? Like, it wouldn't shock me that by the deadline, somehow, some way, they made it work. Like, it wouldn't shock me, right? But I don't, unless you're doing that or you're getting somebody who's like a depth defenseman making a million or less, I don't think you should be expecting any trade on, on the back end right now. The way this D has played, when they've been fully healthy, and you don't have to look too much further than what their record is since they acquired Nikita Zadorov. And when they got Carson Soucy back in the lineup, it just took another level. I mean, you know, he came back for, what, the New Jersey game? Have the Canucks lost in regulation since? No, they have not. No, they have not. <laughs> I think that's a good correlation. <laughs> and the, the, the defense has played pretty well collectively in that time. You know, they had their moments on Saturday, but hey, the Leafs are going to do that with some of the top end players that they have. And sure, against the Rangers, they had their troubles at times, but they've still been able to lock down defensively in other games, Mm -hmm. right? And we've seen them play that. It was a very low event game against Arizona, even the way they had to play against uh, Buffalo at times. And and even Columbus, as as much as they were struggling and they were trying to hold on to that lead in the third period... Like I thought for the most part, even though they did give up the lead finally for the first time when leading after two periods, like for the most part, they did what they were supposed to do in that third period and just a little bit of bad luck went against them and Columbus tied the game, wins in a shootout. So if you just look at it objectively, when they've been fully healthy and available on defense, they've been one of the better defensive teams in the league. Yeah. And... That really is impressive on the management to put this group of players together and how they've got them to buy in. But as much as everybody keeps saying Canucks are going to be all in, I, the all in part of that is finding a top six forward. I don't know how much a defenseman really factors in, even with this injury to Carson Soucy. I think they would need to have more cap space and not just Soucy on LTIR. Right. Right. And it's funny because like last night I was I was just kind of going through cap friendly. I was looking at every team and I was just again like it's, it's like you know how the football game finished. You're like you know what I'm thinking about. Boone Jenner, right? Now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> random player. I was actually even looking at. I'm like, I was even looking at the Red Wings and saying, okay, well, what if the Red Wings fall out of it? 
They 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 traded for Alex DeBrincat, but his no trade clause doesn't kick into next year. Like, could Stevie Y be so addicted to rebuilding <laughs> that he may flip this player? And I mean, those are the types of players I'm looking at now, right? So I'm just I'm, I was going through a bunch of different things, but my conclusion essentially was this: I feel like Top Boy right now. Are you mad? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and then, well, so essentially, I, I I got to a point looking at okay, how can the Canucks create cap space? Like right now, they can add a player making up to 1.9 million. If yeah. they drop a player off the roster, go with seven defensemen, like they drop Friedman and go with. I, I, there's a way for you to add a player making 1.9 million, right? But any player that you're looking at is making more than 1.9 million, even at half the salary retained. Like even Gensel was half of his over 5 million. Sal- like it's, yeah. over, it's over 1.9. Same thing for any defenseman making over 4 million, right? So the Canucks can't add anybody of any significance unless they drop somebody off the roster. Yeah. Like it's, it, they just have to, yep. right? And the obvious guy everyone points to is uh, is Andre Kuzmenko. Well, I mean the uh, the quote from Jim Rutherford still rings pretty pretty loudly in my head when we have this discussion. Right, he's going to score goals whether it's here or another NHL city. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, they're going to have to, and they will have to open up some cap space somewhere in order to add any kind of player. Well, and, and that's the thing, like, it, so I. The Susie thing, and I mentioned, if you feel like you can play with LTIR until the end of the season and make it work somehow, okay, now you may have a little bit of cap space to go out and do something, right? But other than that, it's pretty much has to be Kuzmenko. And even if you look at Hoaglander, for instance, even him, it's not going to be enough. So you have 1.9, add 1.1, that gives you 3 million. Yeah. So maybe you can add a Gensel, maybe you can add do one of those things, right? But you can't do more than one. No. So unless you're trading Hoaglander, unless unless you're trading Kuzmenko or somebody else off the roster, which I'm not sure who else you're looking at. Well, and even Hoaglander doesn't really open up that much. One point one again. Yeah. I think you can you can add up to three million if you trade Hoaglander. Yeah. So you can make it work. Like you you could trade for Gensel if they retain half of it. You could trade for Tanev or Lindholm if they retain half. If you include Hoaglander, you could do that. Yeah. But you can't do anything beyond that. And do you even want to trade Hoaglander for, yeah. for a rental, for instance, right? And what are you having to pay in order to get that team to retain half? Exactly. So, any way you slice it, unless Kuzmenko is getting traded, or somebody else off the roster we haven't yet considered, yeah. could there be a way, I, I guess, Mikheyev? I, I don't know. I'm not expecting that to happen. I'm just, just throwing a name. I don't think they're trading Garland with how he's played. No. I don't think they're trading Besser. No. So, so unless they do something like that, they're just they don't just they just don't have, don't have a space to do anything. No. They want to add a top six player, which means they're open to doing something yeah. like that. Even uh, even Elias Lindholm is four eight five against the salary cap, and Calgary is. Uh, if you look at their history of trades, they don't retain. No, so <laughs> maybe that's an ownership thing. I don't know, but they don't retain. There's a lot of owners. Imagine you were an NHL owner. You're like, wait, you want me to pay to have this guy play for another team? A rival team? I don't know how I feel about that. So, I get it. Why you would have to pay an extra tax in order for teams to retain. So, I mean, and I'm not trying to do the armchair GM thing. I just wonder if the most realistic thing for the Canucks to do here is you get closer to the deadline, hope Kuzmenko plays better, and you're trading somebody to clear space. Yeah. So, let's say, it's, let's say for argument's sake, Kuzmenko and a team like the Capitals have the space to make it work in a transaction, right? So let's say they trade him for a second to the Capitals and they create 5.5 million in cap space. Now you could go out and do some stuff, right? Yeah. Now you can maybe add 
a top six forward and maybe even a top four defenseman. Because if you get a team to retain and now you got a couple assets or one asset for moving, say, Kuzmenko out, now you can get really into doing a couple of really big things. And I wonder if that's ultimately the path that happens. Because I just look at it as the most, the easiest, most logical way for you to be able to create space is doing something along those lines. Yeah. Because I don't know if, like, is, does Kuzmenko even want to go to Calgary, for instance? He has a no-trade clause. Yeah, he is didn't Calgary like the Earls in Edmonton. So. Right, so I'm not... I mean, I don't know. Who knows? And Maybe he's willing to go, right? Yeah. So, I mean, how likely is it that you're flipping Kuzmenko for Lindholm or you're flipping Kuzmenko for Gensel? Is that likely? I don't know. If you could do that, I mean, that would be a pretty good move by the team, I guess. But I just don't know if that's likely. Because is that what the team wants back in return? Mm. First Calgary off, wants younger players. Yeah, they do. They want younger players. Guys that th- like a Igor Sharangovich type, early 20s. They can plug into their lineup, and they see somebody contributing and helping them as early as next year. I want to apologize to Earls. It was the Joey's in Edmonton. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it's not Joey's nor Earls' <laughs> issue. The issue is the city. It's very, it's very possible. And uh, I just I just wanted to make that, that point very clear. I've, I, my journalistic integrity depended on it. Um, my worry with Kuzmenko in this whole discussion we're almost at the point with Kuzmenko where it's like Nikolai Goldobin territory. And I know he has 39 goals in an NHL season, so it's a little bit different. But, I mean, the way we're evaluating him right now, it's like he had a good shift. Uh, okay, a good shift does not make a hockey player. But that that's sort of the issue. It's like his game has gotten to a point where it's so obvious when he has a good shift. Like, he, he draws that penalty, he has a couple of good moments against Toronto, and you're like, he had a good shift? Yeah, it's true. And, and it's not that it was a bad shift, it's just the one good shift really sticks out right now. Now, I, I don't want to overhype it, right? Yeah. I don't. But my the most impressive part of his game to me was the shift they had before the first Hoaglander goal where Mikheyev with Suter and Kuzmenko, yeah. they create zone time, they get, they get a cycle going, and then... They took the line change. They did the line change. Going. And both him and Mikheyev, like, beelined it when it was their turn to the bench for the other guys to get on. And they get on, and they keep pressure going, and then eventually score a goal, right? I mean, that was one of the best team shifts of the season. And the way you have a good shift like that is obviously doing the right things. You win some battles, you keep the puck in the offensive zone, create a couple chances. But then you're being unselfish, and you're doing the details really well, getting off the ice, getting a the other guys on. I'm sure the coaching staff loved that shift by the guys, yeah. right? Can he can he put those things together a bit more? And, and he had some really good shifts, right? So to me, it's and I get what you're saying. You're not wrong, right? Yeah. We're, we're totally hyper analyzing one player in every moment and giving credit for some some you know. And it works the opposite way too, in 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 some ways because you know he misses the assignment on the uh, which goal was it the the D man coming down the other night and McKay? a couple of games ago, oh, yeah, and. Uh, and, you know, it's like, oh, that goal's on Micaiah. Uh, oh, sorry, on Kuzmenko. And, you know, so we, we do it a little bit both ways. But, yeah, so I think, you know. We're just looking at him with a microscope. Uh, we, we, we obviously are. But some of the things he did against the Leafs, I think the coach staff really liked. And it really fit into their staples and their details and their identity. And I think if he can put together a few more shifts like that, you know, maybe he can get himself back to a position to be respectable again. The idea of all-in means... You're doing whatever it takes to improve this team. And I think, you know, you have to move out salary, some salary. Does it have to be as big as Kuzmenko's? Maybe not. 
But right now, he's the obvious choice because of the way that he's played this year. Yeah. Now, all in, does that just mean trading the first? Because oh, yeah. all in to me would mean you know your top prospect is potentially available right now as well. And Jim Rutherford made it very clear to us on Friday on the show when we had him on. You can check it out on podcast. We don't want to give up our top prospects that haven't turned pro yet. No, they don't want to. For rentals, I think that's out of the question. I know Friedman mentioned on the 32 Thoughts, but something that I also mentioned last week was if they're moving a player like, say, LaKaramaki, yeah, it would be somebody with term coming back. Like We were so, joking about Joel yeah. Eriksson-Eck, yeah. but I'm like, if, for instance, yes. that was something that was actually available to you, right. would they then perhaps consider it? And I think that's something they may consider. But they won't be doing it for a rental. So it is an important distinction because I think people took it as, oh, the Canucks won't move those players. Um, but it is their preference not to. But I imagine for the right player, it would be possible to move one of those two. Yeah, and, and I did ask, we did ask uh, Jim about if you're trading your top you know, young assets... Would you rather have somebody back with control? Yeah. And he essentially said it depends on the deal, right? Which tells you, yes, like, sure, we'll do it for a guy with control. But if we're looking at the rental market, maybe we're not looking at moving those guys. Maybe we're looking at some guys who are pro that are playing in Abbotsford. Mm-hmm. Now, hey, we don't need to tell you who's in Abbotsford. You, you know already. Linus Carlson, for instance. But maybe even on the higher end, put Coles in. Even Aturatu they acquired. I mean, these are guys, or Max Sasson, or yeah. you know, McDonough, wh- whomever, right? Like, whoever you want to kind of mention that's already turned pro at the AHL level. I, I, I would would ma- they consider somebody on that roster? Sure. Yeah. Would they consider a draft pick? Yes. To your Pop question. Colson probably still has some for cachet sure. as a 10th overall pick. He does. Cheap contract still. He can still, he, yeah. he's not, uh, he doesn't require waivers yet. I think there's, there's some intrigue there for a player like him still. But I think a first round pick, to answer the other question, I mean, I'm already, I'm already assuming they're trading their first. That's kind of the way I'm viewing it. Yeah, and with the way that they're playing this year, it's likely to be a later first anyhow. So uh, Jim Rutherford, I think these last couple of years, you know, has obviously wanted to keep their first-round picks because and Patrick Alvine because they are a little bit higher in the first round. But when he was in Pittsburgh, I mean, you know, he was giving out first-round picks like they were Halloween candy, yeah. right? It was just like traded a first-round – well – wasn't technically trading a first. Facts only. He traded a first round pick for Ryan Reeves, but it was but more it like was, a pick swap down to the second round. Yeah, it was a high like second that. to get back yeah. in return. So essentially, like just going down in the draft yeah, a little it was bit, trading down but, a few spots. But, but people yes. will be like, he traded a first round pick yeah, for Ryan Reeves. Yeah, it's yeah. like, eh. yeah, kind of, but not really. Yes, you know. And, and to those wondering, they're like, wait, uh, Kuzmenko has a no trade clause. He does. He has a 12, 12 team no trade clause. Yeah. So there are twelve teams. Uh, he's he can say no to. He has a list, perhaps, that he's given the team, right? And to those, and somebody texted, and didn't you guys say you, you want a Garland and, and Besser traded? Uh, Kuzmenko's going to get traded somewhere and score 50 goals. Again, like to me, the conversation's not even about what we would do now. It's more about what's going to happen. Yeah. And like we just kind of outlined, unless the Canucks are able to exploit LTIR with Susie until the end of the season, the only way they can add players is trading a player off the roster. Yep. And, and that's just the reality. Yeah. And... and Look, with, uh, with Besser and Garland, the conversations have changed very much so, right? In the offseason, it looked like Andre Kuzmenko was the, the star of the day, and now he is not. Yeah. Besser and Garland have played very well. They've been big parts of the success this season. 
I don't think those guys are untradeable all of a sudden. The offseason might bring entirely new discussions into the fold for this team. But for right now, you're not messing with a good thing with what Garland has done and certainly with what Besser has done. And uh, we'll see where things move beyond that. But all in, first-round pick, probably in play, potentially top prospects if it's the right player. The thing is, most of the top players right now are rentals, and that's really the two guys we've talked about. It's Lindholm and it's Gensel. You know, Elliot mentioned up to five forwards that the Canucks could be looking at. We know Lindholm and Gensel are, are two of the five. Yeah, of course, right? Those are the two guys. I'm sure there's some other names that will kind of come out here as, as we get closer to the trade deadline. But the cost of doing business right now is a first-round draft pick. I don't Just think, to get in the door. But I don't think it's going to be necessarily a ton more. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think if you're if you're acquiring one of the rentals, and Jim Rutherford told us, like, the rental market seems to be the more likely market they're going to be playing in here, right? So expect that. I just, I don't know if they necessarily have to go pay an arm and a leg. Like, if it's Lindholm, for instance, I don't think you're trading one of your top prospects in a first. Yeah. Um, Lindholm, top prospect in a first. I don't think so. I think it's a little, like, Gensel, because of, you know, his cachet, perhaps. Lindholm struggled. Like, I think you're getting a prospect, but for, more of a B prospect. For I don't a think rental, it's, like, a top prospect. Like, the Canucks got Aturatu for... Bo Horvat who was last year, crushing it who, who and was the Islanders top prospect at the time yes but the Islanders had a very poor prospect pool he was more like a B plus prospect yeah I don't think you're you necessarily have to trade a Ratu to get Lindholm yeah okay I mean that that will be my w- valuation of it we'll see if the teams do but that's how I would view it it's Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah we're gonna bring Don Taylor into this conversation keep it going just how all in are the Canucks going to be when it gets closer to the deadline as they continue to be atop the Pacific Division. It's Dan Richo, Satyar Shah, more of your text as well, coming up on the on Sportsnet 650. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Vancouver sports fans. Halford and Bruff in the morning. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.